All right, so now I have to ask, do people watch anime in New Zealand? Yeah, no, that's a thing, for sure. Differently? Oh, definitely. I was about to say, definitely. Are there restrictions on anime usage in New Zealand? Not that I know of. I've definitely seen some like pretty intense anime content that was, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> you got internet. I just feel like mate. it was you can, you can find anything. It, it felt like a good uh, out of pocket question during the camera swap. But it, could, it, could be, it could be worth Googling New Zealand tentacle and seeing what comes up. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it's tomorrow, viruses. That's <laughs> no, good on our end. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Zool 24 podcast. Uh, and as always, our podcast is sponsored by Antac Airsoft Studios. He's good with guns, bad with table saws. Whether you're trying to just make your gun look nice and pretty or make it shoot to the moon and back, head on over to Antec Airsoft Studios. If you want to reach out to him online, antecairsoftstudios.com. And also the snack bar. They serve hot food, cold food, red food, blue food, me food, and you food. And also Zulu Outdoor. It's an outdoor store, but it's indoors. So it's an indoor outdoor store located right here on Zulu 24. If you want to reach out to them, you can give them a call at 845-684-3139. Whether you just need that last minute item or you need to pick up an entire kit, they've got what you need. Head on over to ZuluOutdoor.com. Also, don't forget, you can listen or watch this podcast on YouTube, iHeartRadio, Apple, Amazon, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify with video. And Google, remember, always like and subscribe. It helps us out a lot. Go ahead and push those videos out there. Give it to your grandma for next birthday. I'm sure she'll love it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cactus and chamomile soup. Welcome to another edition of the Zoo 24 podcast. This week and this week only, we have the famous detectives, Jono and Jono. From New Zealand, they're coming to us from the future. They're using the Wayback Machine, aka the internet, to come on and uh, and talk to us for a little bit about Armor Fury. Also, we have Antec from Antec Airsoft Studios. If you want your guns teched, head on over there. Uh, Jono and Jono, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. No, most welcome. Most welcome. Um, now, also, I know I said from the very beginning of this podcast that I would never, never do a Skype podcast because yeah. you can hear it. You can hear it. However, through the modern technology that we have and also the fact that it's $1,700 one way for these guys to come over here, um, and quite frankly, only 200 people freaking view these things, uh, we're doing it not through Skype, so the way that you guys will be seeing it, if you're if you're watching, they're filming on their end. We'll we're, we are filming on our end. So through the magic of movie, we're in the same room, baby. How's that feel? Not not, not only did you travel in the past. Well, not only are you in the future, but you also traveled to the past. Yeah. How's that? Yeah, F figure that. We one live out. in the. We live in the future, baby. Yeah, because like while you talk to us right now, you're you're today where we are, but 
you're actually tomorrow where we are. That's right. So you're tomorrow. Like you're if, in two places at once. Yeah. Like if I flew a plane here to New Zealand before today became tomorrow, you could land will, before you took off. Then I will. Yeah. I will have time <laughs> and then, and then if, if I can circle the globe fast enough, then I can go back to today from tomorrow. So I could, if, if I have a good enough, fast enough plane, I can go to tomorrow. I can go in the future and then back. Do you think that Rolex makes a watch that accounts for that? I don't know, but if the I answer is yes. If I do that, do I continue to age? Uh, that answer is also yes because of relativity. Guys, Jono and Jono, welcome from the Takis. I'm sorry, Taranaki Airsoft Rangers. Correct. That's yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. uh, over in New Zealand. Um, and the re- and the reason why you guys are on the podcast a is because we'll take anybody to be honest. With you. <laughs> um, that's not true. There's some people that B is because all the buzz coming out of New Zealand is about these uh, couple of guys, these detectives, Jono and Jono, coming out of uh, uh, New Zealand, putting on this amazing freaking event, um, utilizing tanks and airplanes and pyro and and all this stuff, and and then Australia, which is a quick, was it a hundred miles maybe? Yeah, something like that. The little three yeah. just right across and, and everybody in in Australia, which happens to be on the which most of the population lives on that east coast anyway, uh, they're all looking over at New Zealand and be like, What the fuck, guys? We got gel blasters over here. You guys are putting on events over there in New Zealand that uh rival the uh the filming of Lord of the Rings over there. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, we use the same director, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the orcs just run free, so they just kind of fall into it. <laughs> yeah, you got you got free range orcs. It's kind of like hunting pig in Texas, you know, with 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 the orc. You can you can get in a helicopter and just you know shoot orcs. Or people people will pay you to shoot the orcs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, they're, 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 we're overrun with them, so yeah. yeah, you can jump on a chopper and we just cull them. Yeah, just yeah, keep them under control. Yeah. Keep them in the mountains. You know, it only makes sense, you know. I mean, uh, Christopher Columbus brought pigs to North America, and um, uh, Jamiroquai brought orcs to New Zealand. So <laughs> it only makes sense that you guys would take care of the orcs in New Zealand. Uh, guys, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for putting up with the thirteen-hour, fourteen-hour. There's a ridiculous time delay, and actually, with you guys at home watching, um, they are literally in tomorrow, and we are in today. That sounds so dumb. Okay, there's a huge there's a huge time discrepancy between the two of us, and uh, and thank you so much for you guys putting up with our American not metric bullshit and uh, and figuring out what time. They actually actually thank God time isn't in metric. Yeah. Yes, it is. And yeah. I'm an asshole. Yep. <laughs> there you go. So it's 6 p.m. here, basically midday over there. Yeah. Guys, thank you for joining us. Jono and Jono. Thanks. Sir. From yeah. Taranaki Airsoft Rangers. Guys, I got to ask the first and ubiquitous question. Uh, we'll go with uh, Jono1. Uh, backwards hat, John. One, yeah. There you go. There you go. This is weird. Well, it's weird because I'm looking at this, but 
It works out. We, we need like some numbers John, like up here. Yeah, there, there, you <laughs> there you go. John 01 and John 2. John 01, um, we'll start with you. How did you start playing Airsoft? This is kind of the ubiquitous question that I ask everybody. Uh, and go. Yeah, uh, so I started playing Airsoft first in 2014. Um, so I didn't really know uh, too much about it. And then uh, my younger brother of all people just rocked around to his house and um, I seen in the corner of, of one of the rooms in the house, there was a plate carrier. And I do, you know, have always had a lot of interest in, in the military and, and any everything to do with it. So made a beeline over, over to there and I was like, what is this? And yeah, that was that was pretty much the the introduction uh, to playing airsoft, and went along to my first game, and uh, it's it's really you know like so many years later after starting, it's like you still vividly remember your first ever game um, that hasn't really gone away because uh, it's 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 intense. Like first first time around, it's a wild experience. Um, and I, and I think hence why so many people, when they are introduced to it, just go down the, the massive rabbit hole that is airsoft, you know? So now I hate to, I, I don't want to interject, but well, I don't want to interject, but I'm going to interject. Um, did you play paintball before that? Cause I find that with a lot of people, it's like, oh, I used to play paintball and then I found airsoft. Is that true for you or no? Just, uh, just on a social level, like just every once in a while. Uh, so, you know, like, um, it was fun, but, and we, at one point or like, uh, all us guys were, all us friends were, um, living together and we all went out and bought paintball guns, but it was never at a, like a high, kind of like at a, a consistent kind of club or competition level. It was just very social. Um, you know, airsoft is just that much better. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. That so, was an easy sorry. transition. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, paintball sucks. It, yeah. So it's like, and it and it is just a complete rabbit hole. It's like you know, if someone says to you, "What is airsoft?" I just like it's very hard to answer that because it's such a creative space. Um, you can yeah. really be who you want to be, um, and you just get such a good diversity. You know, you get people from all walks of life that just turn up and we go out there and we we do our thing and have lots of fun so yeah it's it's you know and and hence why i've been doing it for you know so many years now right on so john o2 john o2 how'd you get into this yeah so how, how, how did you get into this uh this this money pit yeah money yeah. pit of looking cool yeah so at current at, at the time um that um you know, John, I sort of heard about it. Um, I was living in Australia, um, and um, and I was I was due to come back um, for a, for a holiday, sort of sort of mid twenty fifteen, and um, and see everybody. And um, he said, "Hey, you know, I've been playing this playing this sport airsoft." So jumped online and checked out the club. You know, saw a few videos and some pics, and thought, "Hey, let's let's get into it." So bought a bought a kit um, off eBay, just slapped a little ACU kit together, and jumped on a plane and. And um, yeah, the rest is history. So um, it was it was hard because you know flying back to to Australia and, and not having it there was 
was um, was a weird scenario. Um, yeah. But then you know, every it just seems to be like every time we came back for a holiday, it was just like cool. See you later. Get out of the field. You know. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got into it, and then yeah, moved moved back to New Zealand to be closer to family, and here we are. He came back so, for airsoft. Came back for airsoft. <laughs> I mean, you know, naturally, is there a, is that a wrong thing? You know, yeah. So let's talk about it. so so New Zealand and Australia are kind of like uh, twin sisters, um, except one's really badass and one's a uh, one's another sister. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the other sister. Yeah. In terms of in terms of freedom and yeah, the little sister is like the cool. That's the cool. Uh, the cool island, and then the. Other. I mean, there's a reason why they chose New Zealand to film the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, for you know, sure. There's a lot of swords and action and cool and balls and men. You know, having a good time. So, I mean, it makes sense though that Australia having all that land to shoot and hunt and be free and oh and also they were a british colony that was a prison colony so it makes a lot of sense that they shouldn't have guns yeah because <laughs> yeah I know. because it, well because everything there's trying to kill them so they shouldn't have gu- that makes sense right like just, you know yeah that just makes sense. <laughs> so of course all the smart people swam the hundred miles because they were badass and their testicles dragged the fucking ocean <laughs> uh, like <laughs> like anchors yeah. uh, and they fought against their huge gonads to get to New Zealand and that's why New Zealand's better than Australia yeah uh, fight me um, but Australians will fight you <laughs> yeah yeah that's fine the Australian animals they never fought, will fight you here's the thing about Australians they never fought for their freedom Americans did uh Yo, I saw I saw a video of an Australian guy. I saw a video of an Australian guy punching a kangaroo in the face because it was like yeah. drowning his dog. Yo. His kangaroo had the dog by the collar and was drowning it. Like what? What? Like like prison body jacked kangaroo. That just shows you how pussy uh, kangaroos are. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Even though they look like deer who took uh, steroids, <laughs> like it just shows you like your government. Your government took away your right to fight them. Yeah. Ah, yeah. It, yeah. You just put your dick on a table and they chop it off. Is that how that? <laughs> and it could be. It could so, be. I never. I, I never got too involved in their customs. <laughs> oh come on, come on, guys! Trying to represent your company well. We've already <laughs> fucked ourselves. We've already fucked ourselves here. So. Eleven hundred miles. So your so your ancestors were even huger dicks than thought. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, they that's a hell of a feat. Eleven hundred miles. That's great. That's like half the continental United States. That's a long that's way to even, drag your nuts along the bottom of the ocean. So yeah. that's not even remotely close. <laughs> so in the stupid Americans' mind, it's like Australia, New Zealand. But in actuality, it's Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, you know what I mean? like <laughs> Australia Ocean. Yeah, yeah, half the Pacific Ocean. Actually, oh fuck, Atlantic. What fucking ocean is that? God damn it, Indian Ocean. What the fuck? O- Where are you located on the fucking globe? Down the bottom. Down the bottom. Oh man. 
Yeah, yeah. So I said half. Yeah, I said half. The Tasmanian Sea. Is it Tasman or Tasmania? Tasman. God damn it. <laughs> it's about Tasman. <laughs> it's all right. We'll cut all this shit out. Make me look real smart. And you guys look. <laughs> I love I love everything about this. It's happening. Geography is stupid. Is it? <laughs> is it America? I don't care. Can I surf on it? No, I don't care. All right. So, gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I know we're just kind of joshing. So, let's get into it, man. You guys started Airsoft a long time ago. And then um, uh, within the past couple of years, you guys... Well, I'm sorry. Within the past 10 years, you guys started um, Taranaki Airsoft, which is an airsoft club because in... New Zealand, you have to be part of a club to play airsoft. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah for sure. It's not so much that oh. you have to, but it's just like, it's kind of just how the culture of airsoft went. It just went the the club way versus like, kind of like the business way. Um, and okay. we can't, we can't uh, take credit for founding the club. The club was actually founded back in 2009. Um, and uh, we jumped on board. Obviously, I jumped on board in 2014. And uh, we just uh, were stupid enough to uh, jump on the committee and, and just had a passion to really to grow grow our club and, and grow the sport. Um, and uh, That's right. So, so when we had talked earlier, we were talking about, we, we talked a little bit about this and I read a bunch of articles and whatnot. Um, so... With airsoft in New Zealand, um, there's clubs, fields, and then and then the committees kind of run the clubs. Is that is that right? So the so the committee yeah. for the club can can change and like a lot of different people come in, in and out. Now, in terms of uh, like New Zealand law, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, do you do, does Anthony have to be part of Taranaki Airsoft Club? to play airsoft in New Zealand or, or can, can Anthony just go over there, rent a gun, play for that? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Like we've got a group, uh, like a, a selection of our own club equipment that people can literally just show up. Um, you know, they, they fill out their paperwork and they hire a gun and off they go. And then, and, and then to buy, like if, if Anthony was to go into a store and to buy an airsoft gun, does he have to be part of a club? So that's where the restrictions come in: is the ownership ah. of, of of the um, of the firearm, um, okay. depending on your age and and you know different you know if you've got a firearm license and so forth. But a lot of the retailers so you, are now starting to sort of go down that way, where you know club association. So you, you just referred to it as a firearm. So that's I find that interesting because in the U.S., an airsoft gun is not considered a firearm. Yeah, and so they, they 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 fall into the New Zealand category of a restricted um, restricted air gun, um, so to speak. So they they are covered. They are under that umbrella of the the Firearms Act, um, but they are their own entity, so to speak. So since you brought it up, John or number two, let's talk about New Zealand firearms policies. So, so Australia is obviously communist, right? They don't allow their people to be able to take over their own government because they're communists. And, oh, we have to believe that. Damn. 
damn it. Um, so how are the, how, like we talked about it briefly, John one and I, um, how has the New Zealand government, uh, done as far as separating what I'll call the real firearms community versus airsoft? Yeah. So, um, so the real firearms community is obviously these, the New Zealand firearms act, um, which is the, the scope of everything. Um, and, um, and then it comes back down to the ownership. So there's firearms licenses to own certain weapons platforms. Um, same thing in the real steel world is, um, you know, you've got shooting clubs. Um, so if you're, you're doing target shooting or sports shooting, that sort of thing, um, you've got to be associated to one of those clubs to be able to own those weapons, to compete in those sports. And then you've got like X amount of competitions you have to do throughout the year to, to stay qualified for that, that form of license. Um, and then there's a few different government lobby groups that sort of oversee, um, um, you know, the regulations in, in, in certain aspects like hunting and, and um, like deer stalking and things like that. Um, and then you've got, so you, then you've got the shooting competition guys, which are like, the, you know, the guys who train and they'll go to the Olympics, you know, doing clay bird shooting and things like that. Um, and then, then the airsoft stuff is kind of low key to those guys, you know, the police and so forth who monitor all that. They just kind of let the airsoft clubs do their thing. Um, and we just stay in touch with them and, and let them know what we're up to and everybody's happy. So you're saying that your law enforcement has common sense? To a degree. Kind of. <laughs> That's a subjective question. <laughs> What's that like? Oh, man. That is so scary to imagine. Because it, it would be scary for me as an American to have my government say, um, oh, you're, oh, you're not doing competitions? Oh, you can't have that. Why? So, so we talked about this, John one and I talked this, uh, a little bit and I was like, the whole purpose of guns in America is so that the people can take over the government. Like literally that's the point is so that when we feel like the government is doing wrong shit, we can literally take over the government. And so when, when our government makes rules against that, we're like, Oh, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? You're trying to make it so that we can't take over the government. So, so for us to hear in New Zealand, which is not wrong by any sense of the words, it's just different. Um, that your government is like, no, no, no. Are you, are you shooting competitions? Well, you're not shooting anymore. Well, you can't have that anymore. You got to keep shooting. Like, like to me, that's like, what? Uh, it's just, it's just a difference of culture. It's not anything right or wrong. It's just for us. That's like, Whoa. yeah. And like, and, and that yeah, whole, it is. It's that whole purpose, that whole intent of why we have a Second Amendment was written by the founders of said government. Yeah, they're like, they're like, look, people are fucked up, and so can we, because the government's just run by people, and uh, you know, got to be in check. So, that like, and and there's obviously there's more to that than just having guns to keep sure. the government in check. You know, it's, but that's a huge proponent of it because at a certain point, because they just fought a war. Just, I, I feel like just, I'm talking, and and we're fighting a war when they wrote this. I, I, I feel like I'm talking about like really basic American history that you guys probably know, but I I don't no, know. They probably don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, don't know. it's like oh well, hey, like you know, obviously, 
there's a lot of uh, stuff in the media with what goes on um, over in the states, and it it is fascinating because, like you know, the um, like say like the constitution and things like that, and how it differs from like culture in New Zealand and things like that, and kind of like and and opinions on what is right, what is right, and what is wrong, and like we've just gone yeah. through a lot of changes just recently because there was uh, a mass shooting um, a few years back in, in a place called yeah. Christchurch. And so, you know, at that, that point, the government did uh, turn around and make a lot of changes and they made those changes very quickly. So when you, you know, it depends who you talk to. Like, you know, I don't have a big history with real steel firearms. Um, you know, a lot of everything I know is uh, connected directly to Airsoft. But, you know, if you were to have a conversation with someone that, say, is like grown up with, uh, you know, going hunting um, all his life and has owned firearms and, and all the rest of it, you know, that they would have been captured in a, in a lot of those changes. So they might actually have a very different opinion than what I would. Uh, so sometimes it's, you know, it's, it really depends who you're talking to. Sure. No, absolutely. It also depends on the population base. I mean, like, I mean, what population does New Zealand have? Total population. Like five million, I yeah, think. Yeah, five, five, five and a half million. million. Five and a half million. The U.S. is 330 million people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, so the, and on top of that, there are more guns in the United States than people. Than people. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. That's so statistically, statistically speaking, we're going to have more shootings than New Zealand's going to have, yeah. you know, but, um, but I do like what well, the problem with America, which New Zealand seems to have, uh, remedied, right. Is that in America, uh, firearms, real firearms, real steel, whatever you want to call them are like airsoft gets lumped in with that because we look the same. And that's like, Oh, kind of on. like when there when there's uh, gun control legislation that gets passed in the U.S., whether if it's on a federal level, which oversees the whole country, versus a state level, which is just one of the you know fifty states in the country, airsoft doesn't get lumped into the firearms regulations. So like if you have a real firearm uh, and it's a rifle, it shouldn't have a barrel longer than sixteen inches, mm -hmm. or sorry, shorter, shorter shorter than sixteen inches. You know, so airsoft is not lumped in with it such that if like my 10 inch airsoft M4, like it's not a rifle, you know, so there's there's a discernment there. But but what it kind of what boggles my mind in America is that there's obviously a huge push for gun control, uh, you know, on real firearms. Yep. But then on top of that and, and, and like and there is some grassroots um, uh, support for that. For sure. There are people who would vote based off that. But then there's also like this top down kind of uh, uh, what, what's the right word to call it? Uh, incentive, there, not incentive, but uh, there's a very small minority of people in America that want to perpetuate gun violence and 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 use that politically and also internationally to garner support. And that's top down and it's, and it's top down, especially yeah. right now. And, uh, and so like every opportunity we get to explain that 
97% of Americans own guns. But that's not true. That's, that's not, not even, true. That's not even remotely true. That's Don't true. listen to that. Strike yeah. that. <laughs> I would say like 75. Oh, it's way lower than that. <laughs> There you go. So 50. Sure. Sure. Bing, bing. Yeah. And, Lawful. And lawful gun yeah, ownership. Yeah. And and, and they, they only have those statistics because every time you buy a firearm in the United States, you're doing a background check. And oh, it's man. like yeah. it, it's a form you fill out and the gun store basically goes through the FBI or Federal Bureau of Investigation. They have their own Jono and Jonos in there. And, uh, <laughs> multiple <laughs> multiple Jonos is there. Basically it's basically our job. It's what we do here. Yeah. Just yeah. in the airsoft yeah. world. And then and and everybody who buys a firearm, you know, every gun that I own I did a background check and they made sure I wasn't a wife beater. They made sure I don't have a criminal history. They do. They do social media checks now. So, so the perpetuation is that in America, you open up a bank account and they, they're like, Oh, bank account. Here's your free firearm. It's just not the case. Like yeah. there's so many, there are laws upon laws. Anyway, it's not what I was getting at though. Um, what I'm saying is that with all this new firearm uh, reform, for some reason, the States, like, like yeah. federally, there's a firearm reform. And then in the States, they're like, oh, also, also this other thing that looks scary, this, this, this replica stuff that needs to go away as well. Yeah. And, th and that's kind of what I was saying. Like there, there, there are lobby groups, campaigns of people who have their own incentives, whether if it's a personal belief or whether there's like money involved of who are saying we need to ban guns and they'll do the, like Brady campaign, moms demand action. So there are people from the bottom of the of the hierarchy, I guess, in, in our government, the citizens trying to get the government to make these changes. But then with airsoft, there's there aren't groups of people like, yeah, we got to take care of those airsoft guns. All the legislation against airsoft in the U.S. is just from the government. It's also from people who don't know. Yeah. They, A, all the legislation for guns is from people that don't know. So you can imagine tenfold where they're like, wait. This 12-year-old is going out and shooting this thing that looks like a thing that did bad stuff in this school 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can't have that. You're, you're just training school shooters, you know? Like, yeah. Like, so that's that's where we're at. However, guys, I got to take a piss break. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are doing um, Taranaki Airsoft Rangers for a long time, right? Uh, and then you guys decided to do an event. And that event was called Operation Armored Fury. Let's talk through a little bit of mindset behind that. Yeah, so we like so we've we we've been helping to run Taranaki Airsoft Rangers for a number of years. Um, so we, you know, we kind of did other small um, inter club events and things like that to kind of like because like running any type of event like. It's not just the game; it's everything. Like you're you're um, you're providing a service to your customers, um, 
So like there's a, you know, you have to figure everything out. So we slowly kind of built up over the years and then, yeah, we just uh, decided one year that, so kind of how it came to be is like for us, we watch, you know, all these airsoft events from around the world and we go, man, like what these guys are doing in America or Europe or wherever it might be, like all of this stuff is amazing why aren't we doing it in New Zealand? And it was, um, and we didn't have the answers. And, but it was a question like, well, like, it's is there a reason? Like, I don't know of any reasons. No one's come to me and said, well, you can't do that stuff because of X, Y, and Z. So it's like, no one had the answers or no one, yeah, no one had the answer to say, no, you can't do that. So basically what happened is, I knew a guy that owned a three-scale uh, replica Mustang. Uh, John owned number two. Uh, knew a guy that owned a Stuart tank within our kind of town that we live in. And we're like, well, that would be cool. Like, is, could we get them to come to an airsoft event and, you know, do something as part of the game? Because, I don't know, that sounds like it would be, like, real cool. So... It was like, well, why don't we ring them? And what if they say yes? And 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 that was yeah. that was pretty much the inception of the event as we rung both these guys, both these owners, and we put the question to them, like, what do you think? And we were like, these guys are just gonna think we're idiots, they're just gonna say no, and they're gonna hang up the phone. And uh and I rung up John O number two and I said, Hey, I've just been talking to this guy. He's like super pumped up about like doing this airsoft thing and Johnny's like well I just talked to like the guy with the tank and like he's super pumped too and I was like shit yeah now we got to <laughs> do it it's it, it's it's funny that you guys say that because uh <clears throat> I've always said this dudes doesn't matter the background doesn't matter what country they're from dudes are just dudes and dudes want to do dude shit right so a long time ago I was like man it'd be cool if we could have a helicopter, you know, for our games, just a helicopter. I don't even know if you could do it. So I, I called up the, a local helicopter company and I did the same thing. I was like, Hey, I don't even know if this is legal. I don't know if you can do this, but it would, would it be cool if somebody like got in the helicopter and shot down and they were like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, and I went, <laughs> I have to call you. I have to call you back because I don't have any further on questions because I didn't think it was legal. So then I like called them back and I was like, okay, so that's legal. Like, obviously they can't shoot back up, but they can shoot down. Like, like how does this work? And they're like, yeah, you, there's no laws against it. You just, I just need permission from the property owner. And I was just like, what? So I can only imagine with you guys, you're like, Hey, um, can I get a tank? Can I get a tank? And then also a, is it a P 51? Yeah, 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 three three quarter scale. Oh God, can I get a P fifty one Mustang to fly over and strafe the field? And they were like, "Yeah," and it's because dudes just want to be dudes. That pilot was like, "Fuck yeah, yeah." Are you yeah. kidding me? He, yeah. he probably yeah. does. He 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 flies tours of New Zealand. Like, oh, and to the left is fucking where they filmed for the fifteenth time. Uh, you know the fucking movie. <laughs> you know, so so yeah. to yeah. so to tell so to tell him he gets to nose over 
and 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 do a gun run and then swing back around and do a bomb run. He's probably like, fuck yeah. He, he probably had like a his own helmet. They you know like a yeah. like a special helmet with <laughs> yeah. a visor and everything. He's probably fucking pumped. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but, I, but I remember being like, I remember being like, oh shit, we can do this. So that, that's amazing that even in New Zealand, you guys can do that. It's fucking awesome. What I was most impressed by from the video that Dave showed me was the timing of when uh, the cannon would go off on the tank. And then when the the target would you know ex- explode, yeah. And I and I understand you guys had to like rig something up because the tank's not shooting an explosive projectile. So I yeah, yeah. Know so it's about it's, a, that, it's got a blank that firing. Was, that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's got a blank firing main gun, and we just timed that in with a with a pyrotechnic crew, who um you know we basically just said hey this is the kind of effect we want, um you know. There's going to be a missed shot here and a, and a target hit near, or, or whatever the scenario was, and um, yeah, they'd just they'd have a pyro out in the field ready to go. Um, you know, the tank would take the shot, and, and he would in turn, you know, flick the pyro. And same with the aircraft coming so, in; they'd watch the aircraft coming in and do their runs, and just yeah, timed it all. That's got to be hard to time. It's got to be hard to time with the aircraft. Oh, for yeah. sure, that was well, definitely so that- the most complex element. Sure. So let's let's talk about the entire event, right? Because the the um, the the popular airsoft um, article that I read was basically all about Armor Fury One, right? So let, let's go from uh, did, did it start Friday or Saturday? How did that work? So on the first one, it started on Friday. So it's a three day event. Um, so a, a lot of what uh, is you know you can watch on YouTube and things like that is just like what we would consider like the main event the main game scenario but um it's a three-day event so we actually have um ipsc shooting competition we have the main game scenario which is an entire day and then on the third day uh we do uh just more casual skirmish gaming so it's yeah it's it's we we basically do as much as we can in in a three-day span and uh you know uh, encourage all the players to to stay on site and just have like three days of airsofting basically so before we get into the actual gameplay let's talk about uh the logistics right setting everything up how was how was the time leading up to that event because i mean this this even just looking at the video you can tell that there's a lot going on there. Yeah. So it wasn't like you just showed up to a place and was just like, hey, we're going to do a thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's yeah. there's yeah. six yeah. to eight months of prep there, like easily. Go ahead. Yeah, so the first one took six months of planning. Um, and when I say six months, that was pretty much me every single day spending time prepping, planning. And it was... Yeah, and it was a complete unknown. We we were doing something that had never been done. Uh, we were using companies that uh, weren't fully familiar with what we what we wanted to achieve. Uh, so there was a lot of lot of meetings and a lot of like making sure we're communicating so everyone understands what we're what we're trying to do, what we can do, what we can't do. Um, so describe describe real quick how, how like how because you guys have a ton of sponsors right so describe real quick like how you approach these companies and then also once you got to sit down and meet like like how did you describe it like hey we are nerds and we shoot BBs yeah. and we want yeah. explosions to go like like how did that conversation go so some of them like you could imagine uh, like uh, 
with a, a previous company that I worked for, I traveled a huge amount. So I was very fortunate that I could go have face-to-face meetings and that was really helpful. Um, uh, and, you know, going into, um, you know, airsoft retail shops, there is a, you know, it's a little bit of an easier conversation, um, but I still had to pitch it. It was still felt like a bit of a sales pitch because, again, it was like so out of the scope of what any company had, that that is involved with airsoft had ever experienced before. And so, you know, it was it was going in there, sitting down, having a conversation, and just hoping that I can uh, explain it well enough for people to take us seriously and to, you know, because response. And now did you guys have like a video or was this all just like you sitting down with PowerPoint? Like you had nothing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You were just like, so the gun, (laughs) so the gun goes like this and then the BB comes out and then he's like, ah, hit. (laughs) That's tough. That's 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 right there. (laughs) Yeah. That's a tough sale. So that's, so that's, uh, so part of the, so, so, the the beginning part is all getting all the sponsors and everything together and uh but then there's some field prep that needs to happen as well is that right right. yeah for sure huge 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 amount and the other logistical problem with like um airsoft in new zealand because it's run by clubs is it's like the finances there's not a lot of money uh because it's it's a club it's not a, a company entity that's like trying to turn over a profit and and build margins into everything so you're real like again this was another challenge for us is like well like how do we take this club and and provide it with the finances it needs to to produce you know the most expensive airsoft event in the entire country um so there was there was so many logistical challenges and again we didn't have a blueprint. There was no one had that had come before us to say, hey man, this is what you need to do to like make all this work, to make it successful. So we we're having to like just learn very quickly on the fly. And then, yeah, you, you put in like uh, doing upgrades to the field and bringing in extra infrastructure to, so, you know, you can improve the gameplay in, in different areas and, uh, like the Abajono was literally on a bulldozer uh, cutting and grooming tracks like the night before the event with like torches because yeah. uh, we ran the event in, se- in September and in September it's like um, the weather's still pretty pretty dicey. So we had a lot of rain and a lot of delays and yeah, it was, it was stressful. We were quite lucky um, during that sort of planning phase too because the, the club itself was in a massive growth um, sort of sector of its life. Um, so John and I had sort of joined the committee and and um, um, we had a really, really solid um, committee at that time um, who were really like the idea of experimenting with new things and growing the sport and growing the club. So we had grown to a point where we were you know, now one of the largest clubs in the country um, so a lot of the field assets were already starting to happen. You know, we'd put little plywood buildings around the place and, you know, cut some new tracks and that sort of thing. So, um, so it all definitely, that, that helped that process sort of move along. But yeah, the weather, like John was saying, was, was, was not nice. 
leading up to that point, we, we definitely didn't want to sink a 13-ton tank into a swamp. So, Oh, yeah, because tanks get, <laughs> tanks, uh, people don't may not know this, but tanks get stuck. And they yeah. get stuck hard. And when they get stuck, they get stuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you need like something <laughs> bigger to pull it out. There are tanks from World War II that are still stuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I just want everybody at home or, or whoever's watching to, to understand what we're talking about. These guys are putting on an event, and they're, what they're talking about is modifying a, an existing field so that a tank can drive around. A tank. Is it Sherman? Yeah. Yeah, Sherman tank. Ah, uh, no, uh, sorry. A Sherman tank. Yeah, Stuart. A Stuart. Which is slightly yeah, lighter. Whatever, same thing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's like uh, half the weight. So a, a a Stewart tank can drive around while they've got helicopters in the air. We just lost video. Sorry. So anyway, uh, for everybody listening back home or watching back home, these guys are talking about modifying an airsoft field so that they can make a tank, a Stewart drive around. Now that's not the only uh, large scale piece you've got going on. Um, uh, in the intro, Jordan will be putting in you guys' video. Uh, you've got static uh, anti-aircraft guns. Uh, you've got little birds. Uh, little birds are helicopters. If anybody's, I think everybody knows what a little bird is, right? Um, you guys have P fifty one Mustangs flying around. Is that correct? Like, how the fuck, man? Yeah. So we had that for the yeah for the first one. Are you going to have it for the second one? Uh, well, it gets a it gets a little bit dicey when you've got a, a fixed wing aircraft flying around with a helicopter as well. So we really had to decide. And, and you know, the cool thing about it is when you know we had real good success with the first one. So when we went back to you know all these clubs and companies and individuals that were involved, like they were like, sign us up, just let us know when it's going to happen. And so, you know, like we now did, tanks there. yeah, we did, we did get a, to, we're now to a point where we have too many assets. So we had to be really specific about uh, who could be there and, and it had to basically like the way we make decisions is if we can't do it at a hundred percent, we don't do it at all. We just have to cut, sure. we have to cut it off. That's a good that's a good way to do it. Uh, it sounds like you've got enough assets, though, to make it a four-day scenario. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Probably. You stack those assets up and get after it. That's but like, awesome, man. But like, so 40-hour events here, sometimes people can't swing it because they got like work in the morning on Monday and things like that. Um, I mean, I'm not asking if people in New Zealand work because you guys obviously do. But like, if you were to do like a four-day event, do you think, or like a week-long event, do you think people... Like, is it normal to just call out of work and be like, I have a thing? They give enough notice? What's it like yeah, yeah. to uh, so you've got, get you've out got, of real life to go into Airsoft? Yeah, so you've got X amount of holidays um, that you can take throughout the year. So a lot of people, some people would, would like to use it for like the likes of an Airsoft event. Um, a lot of the time we try and tie it in with like a public holiday. That way we've already got those little couple of days either side of a weekend to sort of play with. Um, but yeah, definitely. I, I think if, if the if the event was to the scale that we're doing and pushing for, um, and it was a, a super premium event, then people will come for sure. It. I mean, it sounds like it's already a super premium event. Let's yeah. be real. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I have 
I don't know. I might be wrong. I I don't know of any U.S. based. I don't know of any producer in the, on the planet right now that's using fixed wing to do gun runs and then bomb runs. Like, I think you guys are. I think you guys are there. You set, you know, unfortunately, you set your bar for your first event extremely high. Yes. So. <laughs> You guys are kind of fucked at this point. Yeah. <laughs> the, only yeah, way, well, they, the only way is down from here. Yeah, so they, you better have a beef. Yeah, and, you better have a B fifty two dropping fucking uh, carpet bombs. Yeah. You guys better yeah. have dog fights happening in the yeah. air. Yeah, <laughs> player flown, player flown. Yes, player flown dog fights. That's how it's got to happen, guys. So, so anyway, so day one uh, of Armored Fury. Uh, you guys did some ICSP uh, shooting stuff, and then uh, let's talk about Saturday. How'd Saturday kick off? So, um, yeah, so the, with the first event, it's very, like, it was very choreographed um, because, as, as you know, like, uh, airsofters are just extremely unpredictable. Uh, it doesn't matter how, <laughs> how carefully you plan, someone will always stray in a place they shouldn't. Um, so we call it, we call it herd, herding kittens. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> definitely kittens. Yeah. Um, Armored kitten was going to yeah. be the first name. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the challenge, right? Like um, you're, you're charging, you're charging an individual player a set amount to go that event. And uh, the challenge is to make sure that they enjoy it. Um, one part of that is the gameplay. Um, so we just try to keep it, keep it simple, keep it exciting, but keep it very structured. So then it became predictable because um, everything had to go smoothly. Like we we didn't, you know, until we had run the entire game scenario back to like front to back, which was on, on the day of the event, like we couldn't pre-do it. Um, yeah. Then like we, we just weren't, we didn't know. So we just had to keep it really simple. So it's very, it wasn't complicated. It's not like a, it wasn't a complicated milsim objective, like squads going off in every direction. It was just kept very, very simple. Um, and we just use, you know, those exciting assets like, you know, a Stuart tank firing a main gun and it had um, gas fired um, machine guns as well. And, um, you know, the pyrotechnics. So you didn't, Sometimes you can overcomplicate it by wanting it to be super sophisticated. But if you had a walk, you know, if you're all kitted up in all your gear and you're following a Stuart tank and it's firing all its guns and there's explosions and planes flying over, like I'm pretty sure that person doesn't need to shoot a single BB and they'll be yeah. like, damn, yeah. that was fun. Yeah. 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 And the amount of precision that's needed, right? Um, you know, we. No, when we when we were looking at the videos and everything, and uh, you know the coordination needed. Uh, I always look at things from a, a, a logistical standpoint, right? Like I produce games, so I understand. Like, well, you can't have players there because there's an explosion going off, right? Like, like, uh, like it's amazing to me, like how close you guys have players to the tank that's moving. Yeah. And also, I mean, yeah, but the players are still back from the gun, right? Like everything's done safely, right? Um, and then you've got the the blank fire coming out of the steward and then the explosion down range. It looks so good. I mean, it looks phenomenal. 
Uh, and I can only imagine what it looked like for the plane to be strafing. I, I think in that article, you guys said um, you guys had uh, two different types of pyrotechnics for the plane, right? So the plane would fly over, and the yep. first one was like a gun run. So then the it would look like bullets hitting the ground, right? Yeah. Those pyrotechnics. And then the second time they came around was a bombing run uh, to take out the tank. You want to describe that a little? Yeah. So we were <clears> – <throat> so like anything – like we what we managed to do is just work with really really good people people that knew what they were doing so with the pyrotechnic company so a, a shout out to len from pyro company fireworks but amazing dude like so enthusiastic about what he does and and so you know when you're working with really good people basically all we told him was hey like this is what we want to do like we're going to have this mustang like flying over uh what we like what we want to do is we want to do a gun run with the first pass like can you build pyrotechnics to kind of reenact like you know bullets hitting the ground in a, in a strafing run and he's like yeah 100 percent because like everything's built from scratch so he's like you tell me what you want it to look like and and how loud you want it to be and i'll i will build it and test it and so um and and that is just down to using the right people to to achieve the job and so like all the effects were like amazing and uh you know we hope it's going to be good and then you see it happening you're like man like you know that was that was that was, that was spot on <laughs> you know that's everything we could have ever ever dreamed of um and it was it was so wild because like in that scene i'll call it a scene if you like when that plane's coming over and it's doing its gun run and the bombing run like when i looked around no one was playing airsoft everyone had their cameras out and they were filming <laughs> it and it was like i was just looking around and we were essentially in an active like airsoft game and i looked around and there's like everyone's just like phones out just like watching it and it and once it once it all finished everyone kind of had to snap out of it and people started shooting at each other and yeah. they're like oh yeah like we're playing airsoft it was yeah but it was it was just because it was like such a wild experience yeah i i had jono on comms like your team's not not attacking and i'm like well yours aren't so <laughs> yeah <laughs> what do you want me to do <laughs> yeah it was, it was quite a phenomenal so do you thing. guys have so do you guys have any footage of uh of that strafing run there is Beyond, there is some just, stuff floating around. We didn't um, yeah. uh, we didn't have the resources to really like purposely sure. capture some of that stuff. So it was literally yeah, like the players on, on the field. Tanks, yeah, yeah there's, like, a, there's a few good um, GoPro footages from some of the players that attended. Um, yeah, yeah, you can find that find that on YouTube. Yeah, I um, just couldn't find all some, of it. Some of them are, some of them captured it quite well. Yeah, and and it's Yeah, so naturally you get your pros and your cons. You know, you always have someone, sure. you know, come up to you and say, hey, you know, I would have done that differently and that's cool. Um, sure. 
Um, but the the overall, because um, after the event we do like a prize giving, and then we have um, like some catering go on, and we set up a big bonfire kind of camp area. So it was it was really really um, sort of humbling and 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 you know real exciting to hear some of the some of the war stories that people had from the day around the campfire. It was all fairly positive stuff. But yeah, dudes were just absolutely amped, you know. Same kind of thing with you guys, you know, you how you're like so excited that we had tanks and planes and, you know, bomb runs happening, you know. So they were just it was it was nothing that the New Zealand Airsoft community had ever experienced before. So so yeah, it was, yeah, it was, was all ask. fairly positive stuff. That's good I stuff. I was, I was gonna ask, is there like are there are there any other um game producers in New Zealand that are even on the same level as this? Like, do you guys have competition, I guess is what I'm saying. Not not in not in what we're doing. Like, it is quite unique. Uh, we're just very, very fortunate to, that we have access to the to the people and and a big one is the assets. Like, um, so for the, you know, there's two fully restored tanks um, that we have access to for the next one. So that's a, a Stuart that will be back again, uh, but also also a Scorpion um, and a, just a lot of other ve- uh, military vehicles. Um, so we're, so, you know, if we were to put all of those assets on trucks and truck them to a different AO, then we might actually find that it's not possible to reproduce that somewhere else. So we are very, very lucky, I would say, um, very fortunate to just have access to that. Um, so no, not really. We're doing stuff quite differently. We're just really trying to take airsoft into the future and, and just ask that question that we asked from the start, like, why can't we do this? Is, yeah. is, if there's not a reason, then let's see if we can do it. Um, and, and that's what we were looking to do with the second one. Um, there is um, another uh, another company that's starting to produce some um, really really good airsoft events that are going much beyond um, what clubs are doing, which is really really exciting. Um, so that's the MIA series, uh, which is in a, a different part of the country. So they're uh, Milsim, like very very Milsim. Um, so they so, and we we talk to each other. And um, we're like we're real excited to see what those guys can do, um, because like we just need it. Like the airsoft community needs it. We need these, like we need people push the boundaries. Actually. Yeah, we need to push the boundaries, and we need to keep pushing the boundaries, and we need to bring technology into it as well. Um, so yeah, no, we feel really, really fortunate to be able to do what we're doing. I also realized with my question. I kind of painted you guys into a corner. (laughs) (laughs) So I I do realize that I was like pitting you against every other airsoft producer in New Zealand. I appreciate you. I I think too, because it's kind of new territory here. So there's, you know, everything has just been at a club level. Um, So yeah, there's been large scale games. You know, I know of other games that have happened where they've had um, APCs running around and things like that and um you know they'll go on a boat out to an island and you know they'll have a shootout there and then come back and things like that so oh shit and that but they're like sort of 
you know, large scale, just like a club level kind of base thing. Um, we're yeah. taking a format like, you know, heavy artillery and armor and pyro and stuff like that. You know, we were kind of the first to sort of really sort of push that um, thing. So it is good to see that on the backside of the first event, that really stimulated some things, some some territories like, well, why can't we do the same as, you know, what the Taranaki guys are doing? So it's cool to see these guys coming out and, and really wanting to push the boundaries in, in their sort of field, you know, whether it's Milsim or Speedsoft or, you know, whatever the other guys are doing. It's cool to see that, you know. We're excited. Speaking speaking of Speedsoft, right? So at, <laughs> at your event, so so in America, there's a large Speedsoft community, and and I'm not going to say that quote unquote Milsim and Speedsoft don't mesh, but they don't mesh. Um, <clears throat> how is it in New Zealand? Is there is there in America? It's like fifty fifty. I'll say like like between Milsim and and Speedsoft. How is it in New Zealand? Is there more of a Milsim community? Is there more of a Speedsoft community? Like, how's that working out? It's probably um, majority outdoors. Um, and I, like, I can't speak in detail for the Speedsoft community because I'm just like not involved with it. But it's the the outdoor scene in New Zealand. I mean, if you look at the, you know, the country itself, it's like you're predominantly going to be playing airsoft outdoors. It's an it's an outdoor sport, but it's definitely like um, it's. I would say it's growing. Speedsoft is growing. It like it has to grow. Like you know, airsoft across the board needs to grow and thrive and evolve. And like you know, from the stuff that I've seen the the guys in New Zealand doing, I'm like it's 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 a legit like community. Um, and they look like they are super pumped to be doing what they're doing. So it's like, well, go for it. But it's definitely not not huge Uh, we just don't have the infrastructure um you know if you had access to indoor um cqb buildings throughout new zealand yeah maybe but cqb and and indoor cqb in new zealand is is small as well we just don't we just don't have the businesses and the infrastructure so it's mainly yeah i would say what 80 percent outdoors yeah yep and it really depends on where you live as well you know, if you're in like some of the, the bigger bigger cities like Auckland and things like that, you know, uh, there's just a large amount more people playing. So, um, and the, you know, a lot of the, there's only two or three kind of indoor arenas around the country. So um, that's where majority of that's going to happen, you know, so we don't see a hell of a lot of it. So now for Armored uh, Fury 1, uh, did you guys see a lot of, uh, we, well, we just short term it to die I four mask, right? So basically, it's it, it's speed softers who are coming out to, um, we'll call it woods ball games or whatever. Do you guys have a lot of that for uh, Armored Fury one or no? Just mostly, mostly the middle simmers. It, yeah, it's kind it's kind of hard to know because a lot of the guys who they they might be speed softers, they're still associated to clubs and things, so. It's also outdoor guys yeah. running. Yeah, Dye yeah, Marseille. yeah. It's not Dimas aren't a big thing though. Oh, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, all, yeah. That's a, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. We don't see it too. <laughs> that much. picture not, next to the tank got ruined by the guy. No, not yeah. a rainbow yeah. dime mask. Yeah, yeah. I I think like you know for so, some people love them because it's like 
you know, it's all in one. Like you just chuck it on and out you go. But, but you nah, can't like an operator with one of them on. So nah, yeah, people don't do it. Yeah. Guys, <laughs> yeah. guys want to wear their boonies or wear their helmets and their, you know, shooting glasses and mesh, whatever. But yeah, not. No. So I got to ask, I got to ask too. So, um, you know, we're, pr- we're, I'll use the word privileged in, in America to have thermal optics and, and night vision and stuff like that. However, in your video, you guys got night vision too. Yeah, yeah it will. Yeah. So yeah. not so, yeah. So what I would say is uh, all of that technology was expensive so many years ago. Now it's not. And we've got, um, yeah, uh, a pretty, I think a recent company that came on board, um, Night Raider, and their company only sells uh, thermals and night vision. Um, so it is starting to become more common in the airsoft community. So much so, like, we have guys in our club that run it, you know, uh, to put in perspective, like uh, like a twin tube would be, you know, uh, two point, uh, sorry, two plus gen would be like 8,000 New Zealand dollars. So it's still pretty pricey. Um, but it's it's yeah cheap enough that it is coming in and it's there's enough of it circulating that we're like all right we need to actually pay attention to that because we know uh, for the second event we're going to have a night op and so we need to make sure that for the night op um, that we balance the teams out and not get a situation where everyone on one team has all the night vision and the thermals because like and and Let's let's be clear. Thermals is cheap mode. There's no doubt. Like the thermal technology is crazy. But 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 I'm in the market for thermals. No, but, <laughs> that was gonna be so so. That was gonna be my next question. Yeah, actually. But continue. Yes. So so like our our job as event coordinators is to look at like who is our player base, what equipment are they bringing, uh. Like not everyone's going to have night vision thermals, but we need to make sure that those people still have fun. Um, and so, um, like, we need to make sure that for that night op, we bring balance. So everyone's everyone's having fun with their kit or lack of kit, whatever it might be, and they just go out and do their thing. So yeah, so uh, hence why you are seeing it in our our marketing videos because it's going to be part of the event. So, so my follow-on question to that was going to be regarding thermals, but I'll, but I'll backtrack a little bit and go into balancing, right? So, um, night vision in airsoft in the, in the U S is a given, like it's, it's very, very, very prevalent. Um, and so that, that, that pulls people back. We do night games once a month in the summertime, all the way through October. Right. Um, and so a lot of people get turned off by that because in their minds, you know, night vision is daytime for the person wearing it, right? So so we balance that by requiring everyone that's playing to use a tracer unit and tracer BBs, right? Like, like that's the balance, right? And that's a way that we can balance so that the guy without night vision can, you know, as soon the guy with night vision is always going to have the advantage until he takes that first shot, right? Yeah, or unless you, um, unless you strike him with a white light. Yeah, exactly. A, a candle, a candle will bloom out night vision. But, um, but, but, but here's my here's my argument 
with airsoft and thermals. And and maybe maybe the U.S. is too far gone, but maybe you can save New Zealand, right? Um, I think in airsoft, thermals should not be allowed, and I'm going to get flamed in the comments by this, but but uh, I think that with the engagement distance of airsoft, uh, I think thermals is just straight up wall hacks. And I've played I've played whole ops with thermal. I have a thermal unit, right? Um, it took all the magic out of the game. I was literally up on a hill with my thermals looking, you know, a thousand meters, maybe 1200 meters out. And I'm like, Hey, uh, they're getting out of their sleeping bags. There's six of them. They're coming down the road. And then, and in 29 minutes, be ready to shoot. Like it, it just took all the magic out of the game. So <clears throat> So in terms of like Armored Fury, because this Armored Fury is going to blow up for you guys. I mean, you guys are doing all the right things here. So so you guys need to start planning ahead. I'm telling you what to do. Jesus, you're doing better than we are. <laughs> um, it's encouraging. <laughs> well, no, it's not coaching. It's like it's like the uh, backup reserve cricket player. Do you guys say <laughs> cricket? I don't know. I'm trying to think like cricket player. Uh, telling the coach what to do, right? Um I think if you start now, like thermals eh, may not be the best thing for airsoft. And I'm going to get flamed in the comments for this. How much? How much? Eleven thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but what's a New Zealand dollar compared? Still six thousand. Oh, it's eleven thousand. Yeah, I did the conversion to the eight thousand New Zealand dollars for the dual tubes you were talking about. That's like five grand in U.S. dollars. Jesus. And that was for like a cheaper set of dual tubes. Oof. Yeah, but. Somebody will always yeah. pay that. Yeah, and somebody and people, will always pay that to have that advantage, and that's something that you know we learned very early on. I mean, um, you know, ten years ago, somebody with a, a PVS fourteen, so just a one eye, you know, monocular Gen two plus, was exponentially better than everybody else at night, right? Because you can see something, and and it just grew. It, we call it the airsoft arms race, you know. Yeah, but if that's all, I mean, think about, well, maybe think about the advantage of that. I mean, that's from seeing black to, to seeing, you know, 100 feet or 200 feet. That, that's fucking phenomenal. I run a single tube and it does the job. Yeah. I'll upgrade when it's time. I mean, six right. inches is plenty. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> there it was. That's the delay. You see the delay? Well, they're, they're in tomorrow right now. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> but uh but but i think uh as an airsoft producer i think um when i start doing i i don't do uh when i do zulu events when i uh, you know local events i don't do um a night portion but if i do uh i think i'm gonna poo poo the community a little bit and i and i think thermals are gonna be a no-go just because they kind of they kind of ruin the illusion the you know the, the the magic if you will the behind the scenes uh, stuff a little bit, but that's just my opinion. I don't know. How do you guys feel about it? Yeah. Uh, like, w yeah, 
we we understand what you're saying um and it's a yeah it's an event coordinator problem because you know full well that players are going to turn up with this equipment i already know that thermals are out in the airsoft community i've seen i've seen the footage from the equipment that they're using um so our challenge is to somehow strike that balance and that balance might be all right there's you know two dudes that have turned up with thermal night vision all right you guys are on opposite sides like you know it's too much of an advantage to have both you guys on the same team like i don't care that you're best mates like it's just too, it's just too much like you're just gonna dominate that situation way too much so all we can do is it's it's really challenging in the airsoft world because i'm such a huge fan of like progression and uh technology and like giving people the ability to like tech their guns and do all this incredible stuff um but yeah sometimes it does make it super challenging for us to make sure that while you spend the ten thousand dollars this kid that spent like 500 bucks on his kit like can still have fun too and you don't just absolutely destroy him like all night long because you've got such an advantage like because you two dudes paid the exact same money to come have a good time and like we want to make sure that you guys have a good time so we got to strike a balance and you know and you can't please sure. everyone like it just is what it is no, I'm sure. I'm sure there's somebody who saw the P51 do its strafing run and be like, "Ooh, that's not a modern war, war plan." <laughs> yeah, yes, so it. that doesn't that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not for you. Wick, wick, wick. Yeah, cool. like, like, oh yeah. man. Do you know the logistics it takes to have a fucking airplane come at a specific time to make sure that the tank is in the right spot so that when, when all this shit happens, the tank gets taken out so that way the fucking defenders have a fucking chance. You piece of shit. But it's not an F-15. Fuck me. Was, was the Fuck. plane also firing blanks? No, no. So it's just a, and, and this is like the thing, like you'll get people saying, oh, it's just a replica. Oh, it's only three quarter scales. Oh, it doesn't have a Merlin engine. You know, it's like, oh, everything in airsoft is a replica. Yeah. Dude, are you kidding? <laughs> All of airsoft. Oh, Jesus, dude. <laughs> The sound that that plane probably made coming in from a dive to do a strafe was probably... I don't even know if in real life, because I wasn't in World War II, I don't fucking know if you could even hear the gun shooting over the engine coming down, screaming down, the plane fucking pulling out of that dive and seeing the fucking impacts on the ground. Get the fuck out of here. Like, like Jesus Christ. Ah, well, was it shooting blanks? And I... But I didn't hear the, the 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 rotary engine or whatever the fuck it is. You know, like, I, I, I love the, the I love the it's just a replica comment. Like the irony. Yeah, but the, the plane irony. the plane wasn't a replica. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a real plane with a real pilot, and if he crashed, he'd fucking die. Like like <laughs> how much? What, what more do you want? Dude? I think I, I think want him to eject. We'll, have, we'll have guys with buckets of hot shell casings, and they can just throw them at yeah. people, like <laughs> right down the back. You know, <laughs> I'm so immersed. Here's, you know, like here's uh, some immersion. Like, yeah. Here's a here's a scar. You don't get a patch. You don't get a patch for this event. You get yeah. a scar. Yeah, this okay. one's on your face. Yeah, you, know? you can stand out there and we'll blow your toe off or something. Like you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll give you a, a purple heart, but in airsoft, it's yellow. It's a yellow heart. 
you get a yellow heart. It's piss yellow. Actually, you have to pee first, and we judge the color of your piss, and that's <laughs> and that's the color of the. You know, like, like, how hydrated are you? Okay, orange, right on. Easy cheese. You get the easy cheese colored heart. <laughs> easy cheese is a. Uh, do you guys oh, know what easy cheese is? Is it like liquid cheese? Yes. So it's like it's like uh, it's cheese in a can that has a little nozzle you can press and like the cheese squirts out. It's the grossest like like ch- uh, cheese whiz budget budget cheese. It's not cheese. It's not cheese. It's 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 like a yellowish orangish chemical shit you put on crackers. <laughs> uh, America has a really big thing with cheese, not the way the French do. Like our government like made and hoarded cheese for decades. It was a whole cheese conspiracy. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. It, it's yeah, we have a thing with cheese. And then they put it in cans and aerosoled it and you can it it's a spray paint of cheese is what it yeah, is. Well, it's like, fucking you, gross. You don't want to cut your cheese. Like you just want to push a button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's I don't need a gross. knife. <laughs> <laughs> when you guys when you guys come over here and visit Zulu, I'll show you easy cheese. <laughs> we'll get oh, cheese with like hot talk. dogs. <laughs> we'll get burger or uh, McDonald's. Maybe they can sponsor Armand Fury. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Armored Fury is brought to you by Cheese Whiz. By Cheese Whiz. Do you like cholesterol? We got you covered. <laughs> it's not even cheese. It's cheese in quotations. <laughs> but it's it, cheese but colored. But it will have some fucking gross. It's, ye- it it's yellow six. It's yellow <laughs> six. So, so Saturday goes off with a hitch, right? Uh, Armored Fury one, right? So, so all the all the things, all the magic things line up. Now, how how are you talking to the tank? How are you talking to the airplane? Like, what was the? I mean, imagine you you guys is both because uh, I imagine you guys are both commanding each team. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You can okay, so 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 how's the communication going back and forth to make sure all this shit's lining up? I mean, what are your stress levels like? I mean. Uh, like how does that work? Oh, we were we were definitely um, we were definitely peaking out um, leading into into <laughs> the start of that game. You know, ready to call game on was was definitely a nerve, nerving moment. But you know that that morning kind of went well. The briefings or the safety briefings went well with everybody. Um, we had done some sort of walk arounds with with the tank owners, the aircraft owners, the pyros, and that sort of stuff prior to the event. So everybody had a, a real good clear understanding of sort of when things were going to go down and, and so forth. Um, we did have some communication problems with the steward. So we resorted to just hand signal stuff um, with the with the tank commander in the in the top. But there's a there's <coughs> a, a really good uh, coordinator, like a really good um, logistics and planning thing because uh, John O2, like he was he was in charge of making sure the steward did exactly what it was meant to do and didn't run anyone over or blow someone's yeah. eardrums out. And so he had his comms and the tank had internal comms, but there's issues with trying to penetrate a signal through armored plating, right? So as part sure. of the planning, the redundancy was if comms go down, they had hand signals so he stayed within visual range of the tank the entire time so he could and that happened like so we had a contingency yep. and it happened and uh john I did such a good job of it like i was in like i could see what they were doing because i was on the other team and just supervising 
Like it was just, and they did it so flawlessly. Like I had no idea until afterwards he goes, oh man, comms went down. I had no actual radio communication with the tank. We were just all hand signals. Um, yeah. And it's like, but that's like, you know, people that want to know logistics and planning, like that's how you do shit properly. Yeah. Yeah. So we just had yeah, some backup plans in place. That, I was going to say that's, that's, um, sorry, we're dealing with the delay. Um, that's the difference between an airsoft player who's like, oh, I could write this game. No problem. We'll just use radios. <laughs> and, and that's the difference between that and, and, and somebody who like really puts in the work, right? Like we have a, a primary means and then a secondary and a tertiary. And it turns out you guys had to use the secondary and it went off without a hitch, right? And the fact that, uh, John one, you didn't even realize just shows how flawlessly like the planning paid off, right? Like everything still yeah, happened definitely. using hand, hand and arm signals. Uh, and it still worked out great. And that, and that's a sign too. And what it also means is that to the player, right? Which is the ultimate goal. Uh, the yep. player never saw it. The player was just yep. playing the game and some shit happened and the tank got blown up and, and, and that like to them, that was just Oh man, like that, that was just part of the experience and, and, uh, and it went off flawlessly. Um, and everything that I read was the same thing, dude. All the players were just like, holy shit. Like, like, <laughs> like I didn't know what I was getting into, you know, like, like shit, man, I should have, I should have prepared a little bit more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So Saturday, yeah, so Saturday is the main, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you're right. Carry on. So Saturday is the main part of the game, right? So Saturday is, is the main part of the event. Uh, goes off without a hitch, right? You guys do a phenomenal job. Uh, you guys, you said you get catering for the players? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so we had a uh, we had like a big marquee set up, um, like a series of, of, of different tents um, with some tables, some chairs. Um, a friend of mine who runs a cafe, um, he, he, he done some catering on the, the night. Cafe. Cafe. Yep. Catering. <laughs> so he, um, yeah, he, he, he came, he came out, he came out and, um, and yeah, um, um, produced a meal. So that was part of people's tickets. Um, they could either buy just, just the game event or a game event and a meal ticket. Um, so yeah, they, um, yeah, so we just done, done some catering. People fed everybody. Everybody camped on site, um, and and then from there we sort of went into the um, into the prize giving, um, which was um, we had certain sponsors who who sponsored certain stuff for for each each part of the prize giving. Um, some of them had their own little events that they done, like John talked about the the little target shoot. So they done their awards for that, um, and yeah, then just rolled into it, just hanging out for the rest of the night with. With the rest of the NZ NZ Airsoft community. Like a hundred and ten New Zealand dollars, dude. 
Where the fuck? Why aren't we in New Zealand? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> That's like, is that nine? Is that ninety dollars? That's sixty-eight dollars and twenty-nine cents. Sixty-eight dollars. A Milsom West ticket is like two. Yeah, yeah, it's like Milsom West. Uh, if you convert it, like I looked at this recently, I think Milsom West in New Zealand dollars is like four hundred and fifty bucks. I think. Oh, <clears throat> yeah, they do like early bird tickets, right? <laughs> the the best meal I had at Milsom West was my pocket burger. <laughs> do you know? Do you know? Do you, you know? Do you guys know what pocket burgers are? Do you guys have like a, a cheese pouch? No, nah, I just no. I I just use my cargo pocket, and like, there's so much preservatives in McDonald's that like you can you can leave it in your pocket for like two weeks. You can still eat it, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're good. It's yeah, it's like cheese yeah, yeah. whiz. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Sounds good, doesn't it? And and so you said that there's like a, you said that New Zealand's airsoft culture went the uh, club route, not the business route. Yeah. So now, so there was from a my reason. understanding. From my understanding, it's uh. It's that like you need capital if you want to, you know, get like you need profit. You need thing. You need money to put back in. So like the 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 price that the customer is paying, which is sixty eight U S dollars. But it's not though. It's a it's a hundred uh, Right. What does that represent for you guys running it? And like, how many players do you have? And like, obviously, you have to pay to rent the tanks. You have to pay for the. I'm sure the meal is probably the cheapest part. You know, so what we're asking is before taxes, how much money do you make individually? John, I want to go. Yeah. So, so there's, there's, there's a, a reason for why. So it was extremely cheap. There was a couple of reasons for that. One is we were kind of putting that we were kind of uh, putting the challenge to the New Zealand airsoft community to be like, we can do this and it can be done on a budget. And everyone, it was a, a little bit of a wake up to the community to be like, like, we can do cool things. We don't need it. We need to stop talking about what every other country is doing. We can do it here in New Zealand and we can do it on a budget. So it was, it, it was almost like, like a bit of a promotion and, and showing everyone that this can be done. Is the next one going to be far more expensive? A hundred percent. But it was kind of like laying the foundations 
and laying out the challenge and you know doing that first one successfully and being like all right this is what we can do like you you know you now know from coming to our event that you know we've put a lot of time and energy into this so then going into the next event we don't have to worry about all that like they know like the type of event we're going to produce and so we can justify the money side of it yeah so It wasn't wasn't a huge guys, amount. Yeah. So, so you guys probably lost so much money doing it. Yeah. No, no, we t- we turned a profit. It was a very small profit, um, but we yeah absolutely. So so the like the event had to like pay for itself basically. Like we weren't going to run this event as a loss. Like it's it, that would be madness. But um, the first time round, we're like, all right, let's just. Keep everything to a bare minimum. Like airsoft and airsoft events in New Zealand are very ho ha, um, half ass done, um, and and they're cheap. You know because there's like there's like say there's no capital, there's no budget, there's there's nothing. So we were like you know the first kind of event to like put together an actual budget. Um, but like I say, we were like we want to showcase this event, show you guys it can be done um and it doesn't have to be a thousand dollars you know like because I, I think people were like oh you'll never be able to do that it'll cost millions of dollars like it's not possible and we're like not only are we going to do it but we're going to do it real cheap just to like put that put that those comments to bed Cool. cool. <laughs> you're not you're not from uh, IRD, are you? Um, well, last time round, we done um, just some some basic skirmish games, like a like a normal club day, kind of out on the field. So people had that opportunity. Like a lot of people was you know because they came from. You know, three four hours drive. They were starting to pack up, and a um, lot of um, photo taking and things like that with the with the heavy machines and that sort of jazz. You know, they're getting all their squad photos all outside the the tanks and that sort of jazz. Um, and it was a really good time for players to actually engage with retailers because the you know the event's done, the pressure was off. They could they could sit down and, and talk some tech or you know look at some new product that they're distributing. And the people who did want to play just basically just hit the field and, and run a few capture the flags and things like that. And yeah, so it's just the kind of wind down. And myself and, and Jono, we just sort of start to handle the logistics of, of packing down the event, you know, so we're coordinating different things and packing down stuff that's not getting used anymore and, and so forth. And, and we actually went out and played some airsoft. Yeah, yeah, we got to play for the for the first time in the, in the whole weekend, <laughs> which was cool. Yeah, so that's the 29th to the 31st of March 2024. So, so it's in the future. It'll future. From, it'll be from the 28th to the 30th. <laughs> K. 
keeping a similar structure like over the three days um but we're bringing a night op in this time uh which we didn't do last time um so there's a, a little bit of a shuffle around but trying to like just trying to put together like obviously the game scenario is like super wild and that's what people like talk about a lot but like just trying to like put together the whole package um and bring a few different things um and in, into the mix and that worked really well last time uh so we're not looking to mess with it too much but the yeah. the game scenario will just be a little bit more um sophisticated this time around it's a brand new game mode like so we're not we're, we're it's all brand new totally fresh um a, a bit more sophisticated this time around um which is up to this guy to plan all that the actual game scenario so all the pressure's on him i just sit back and not worry about anything <laughs> <laughs> not true i do a lot of logistics <laughs> You, you want to list it out? <laughs> yeah, so we've got the, uh, obviously we've got the Stuart back. We've yeah, got the Stuart one. tank back. Um, we've got the Scorpion. Um, we've got a anti-aircraft um, gun. Um, we've got... Which is going to be firing, by the way. Yeah, it's going to be firing. Um, not, you know, firing blanks. <laughs> um, um, so to speak. Um, we've got... Um, we've got an assortment of, of jeeps and um, so we've got a 25 pound artillery gun 25 pound artillery gun um, yep cup couple of couple of trucks and jeeps and and some um, some bring gun carriers yeah yeah for sure we're just acquiring cool shit basically <laughs> yeah That sounds amazing. So I I gotta ask. So the the first sorry. Uh, so the first one was like sixty eight US dollars. What does open play cost? Like, what does it cost to just do like a normal open play, a normal skirmish? Oh, like a normal club day game. Yeah, uh, it costs uh, ten New Zealand dollars if you're a member of the club. If if you come up, so you're brand new to airsoft, and you you turn up, and you've you need like rentals and BBs and and field fees and stuff like that. It might cost you around, I don't know, between 50, 50, 50, to, 50 70 to 70 bucks. bucks. Yeah. Depending on what, what you need. <clears throat> is this hurting you right now? <laughs> 31 bucks. Well, we have a different economy. Like our economy is tanking. Our, our, wow. our, do our dollar's doing bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need a, you need a like business versus club though. Like, so we're not for profit. So, hundred percent of everything we earn has to go back into that club for the members. Uh, so, it is very, very different, and that's why with clubs you generally see everything is run very cheaply versus a business. And do you um, have to? And and there's honestly there's some. So, do you have to pay to be a member as well? Yeah. 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 So okay. you'll just pay an annual subscription 
to be part of that club. And how much is the annual subscription? We just put ours up to 40 New Zealand dollars for 12 months. That's not bad at all. And how many, how many people roughly are in this club? Uh, so we're sitting at around 110 members, paid members, plus casuals. That is so incredible. Dude, that is listen. so incredible. That brings up a good point. Uh, or, or like, uh, hello, mouse. Would you like to hear? Um, <laughs> uh, for Armor Fury uh, 1, I mean, what was the player count for Armor Fury 1? So, so one, another new thing that hadn't really been done before is uh, cap numbers. So we capped the numbers to 110 players. Um, so there was two reasons for that. One reason was so then we knew uh, the total number of players we were building the game for. Um, and, um, and the other thing is from a finance standpoint, like you sell out. So we sold out in 12 days. So we had our full budget for the event and we knew there was going to be 110 players at that event. Like it just made like the logistics really predictable. Instead of open-ended, you might end up with 50 players or 500 players. Uh, I probably, probably less than two minutes before the system started having issues because people were, people were freaking out because this is their first introduction to an event where we said tickets are limited. There is a maximum number of tickets. So everyone, so it ramped up demand. Everyone freaked out as yep. soon as they, the tickets went live, everyone freaked out and we had all sorts of admin system issues because people were trying to buy multiple tickets all in one hit so they didn't miss out so yeah it's a pretty wild experience just in the in that side of things and 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 how many people do you are you capping at for the second operation uh armor that's top secret <laughs> Uh, will be more, but we haven't released that information yet. <laughs> yeah, you need you need a thousand players and two airsoft celebrities yeah. at the event if you want it to matter. <laughs> you need Novrich there. Yeah. <laughs> well, what we'll say is you have to watch the podcast to find out what what the details are for the event. uh no, or it hasn't been done, but we do have um, a company called RDX who produced the Boss Sound Simulator, which is the closest you get to um, blank firing real steel firearms. Yeah, they were called Boss back then.
Yeah, so they're one of the sponsors of the event. Yeah, so um, RDX are a big sponsor of the event. So they're not only bringing their M203 units, uh, but we have access to other equipment that they produce as well. Um, so, for example, the anti-aircraft gun will have one of their larger units, uh, which are designed for the LAV um, vehicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yep. You said yep. RDX. So they've produced is a unit. They've produced a unit that will be um will be fitting to our anti-air. And it's and it's like an electro pneumatic. It's like an electro pneumatic unit. It's not like a, a shell that's a blank. It's like it's gas and yeah. So it's like a unit right? that will just sit off to the side or be or be or be mounted on the machine and and it it just generates its noise where it's um you know firing a gas. Yeah, if there's some, if you go onto the RDX website, they've got some um, like awesome videos of the the units on the on the labs, and they've um, actually fitted uh, like a custom made LED system that goes into the end of the barrel, so it creates like that visual report as well. And and so the um the the boss unit, yeah. If you have a boss yeah. unit, you can wire it into your wire harness for your airsoft gun and it basically activates yeah, so do you guys have any experience system. with wire the, wiring them into like a jeftron leviathan or a gate titan and i'm getting like really technical now i don't know if you guys like tech on your stuff like that because um but like yeah i think they've actually um i think yeah, I think they've actually released because they're cut like they're actually uh releasing the boss units to market um and that's happening pretty soon and they've just released all like their like tech info for how to integrate the systems into your airsoft guns <laughs> don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you might as well just use a blank fire because it's just it's a blank fire is just as effective as a gas gun in the winter. <laughs> Jordan really likes gas guns. Yeah. He really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're awesome and terrible. It's like, uh, <laughs> they're awesome and terrible. Like they're super temperamental, but when they're working right, it's like, yeah, I got that. Ooh, I just racked my bolt. I chambered around. Hope oh, tack reload. BBs aren't falling out. Oh wait, look at that bolt release. It's not an electronic little click. It's like, oh yeah, I just loaded my new mag. <laughs> Join the army. <laughs> Yeah, so um, it, if you guys don't get why he said that, uh, there, there was a video that Zulu posted on Facebook of uh, some some airsofters using a blank fire mortar, and the comments were just ridiculous, like, "Oh, just join the army if you want to do that." But like the guy, the guy doing the mortar in the video was a ranger, like he was an army ranger. It was just funny. So now it's like it's like an inside joke. Yeah. yeah we had Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
<laughs> it's it's just a replica yeah. mortar. It's not a real mortar. <laughs> that was replica security. It wasn't real security. <laughs> this is the Mustang conversation. This is the Mustang conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Social media. Yeah, doesn't matter where you go, you always get those keyboard warriors. Yeah, yeah. we, so we just avoided it. I guess the question could be rephrased, uh, is everybody special in New Zealand? The way that everybody is special in, in America and... Every, we have right. special airsofters too, don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the condition of being an airsoft in itself is is pretty special, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we. Yeah, so, um, so we're bit, like we've been involved with pyrotechnics for years. Um, not not at same level as um, Len, who owns the company that does all the custom pyrotechnic work for us. Uh, but we we are basically a partner to his company. Have been for years, um, so we deal like we deal a lot in uh, retail fireworks. And to um, long story short, in New Zealand, you can uh, light fireworks in your backyard any time of the year but you can only sell fireworks in New Zealand to the general public for four days in a year. So it's a, it's a wild, wild. So we do a lot, so we do a lot of that. Um, but, uh, we're now bridging into, uh, airsoft stuff. So like, um, you know, the, we're looking at the company doing, uh, premium airsoft events, um, seeing how many we can do per year, et cetera, et cetera, um, getting into airsoft products and, um, and airsoft systems. And, and like, there's a lot of things going on in the background that I, that I can't exactly talk about right now. Um, but, uh, but, a very like, there's basically the pyrotechnic side of special effects limited and then the airsoft side of, um, special effects um and um so the pyrotechnics we've been doing for years but the airsoft stuff bringing that on board into the company is is quite a recent thing 
um, and there's a, just a lot going on, a lot of meetings and signing contracts and, and all that kind of jam and get, getting that all up and running, uh, which is it's super exciting. Wish I could say more. Yeah, so if for anyone that that has watched the video or will go on to watch the video, so we as part of the next um, Operation Armored Fury event, um, we've created uh, um, door breaching um, with pyrotechnics. Um, so that's again something that's never been done before. Um, it's a lot of kind of figuring how to figuring out how to do that safely because now you're bringing uh, pyrotechnic effects in a very, very close proximity to people. And um, and so we've, we've basically got it all nutted out. It's going to be uh, people, uh, squads of uh, players are going to be able to breach doors um, at the next event uh, using pyrotechnic effects. Um, so I fully encourage you guys, to, if you haven't seen it, go check out the video for that. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, it's pretty stressful to shoot that that promotional video. To, we had to travel to a different part of the country. It took two days of testing to come up with the the right um, pyrotechnics to dismantle a structured door safely, <laughs> um, and then and then shoot the video for it. Um, but um, what was the question again? Sorry, I've just gone down a bit of a rabbit hole. we're like so we're really kind of investigating like okay we've like basically uh built um uh like a, a door breaching building is there a way that we can um go to other events with that type of like product and knowledge and things like that and you know replicate it at other events so like it's it's something that we're doing for ourselves first and figuring it all out, but then really looking to the future and saying, well, like if the airsoft players really enjoy like breaching doors and stuff like that, and um, it's, you know, it's financially viable and we can replicate it and we can travel with it, then it's like we can then approach, um, you know, other event coordinators and say, hey, look, like, do you want to integrate this into your airsoft event? Uh, because we we you know we have the product it's a, it's and a product our, we offer yeah, yeah yeah something we can offer to other people so we are always looking to that um, looking to those future options so yeah th and that's why I say there's a lot of things in the, going on in the background that we're constantly working on but yeah that would that would definitely be a real exciting one um, and I I wish we had a company in the U S that was able to really bring more pyrotechnics to the airsoft game. We're in a weird state right now where pyrotechnics, even the really safe ones are getting banned. Like Dave was talking earlier about EG 67s, uh, like anything with the charge in it is going to eventually like, if not immediately get just flagged, it's called uh, a destructive device and it's tough. So, and I saw you guys have like tagged launchers. People are using that at that event. And like we can't get tagins. It's a not only is it a Russian import, but they're a destructive device. So the ATF or 
uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms. They're like, nope, you can't have it. And uh, it sucks. It it really sucks. So it's it's cool to hear that you guys are doing that. I'm, I'm a little I'm a little jealous. A little jealous. I really want to go to New Zealand and play <laughs> sometime. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, from Nonocat. That's awesome. That's awesome. That is. Yeah, that is super cool. There you go. There we go. Here we go. So let's talk about safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there was definitely a challenge. Um, we, you know, with the pyrotechnics, there's there's designated exclusion zones. Um, obviously, you know, you'd look you'd from a visual perspective, we 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 wanted to stay clear of things like danger tape and that sort of stuff. So we 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 made sort of minefield kind of signs and that sort of thing just to fit in with the the visual aspect. Um, but keeping people out of those zones was was a mission. But it, it, as a game coordinator, you want everybody to go home. So, you know, it's, it's, you just got to be brutal with them and, you know, you know, yell at them, you know, get out of there, you know. Um, and we, we, we put all those stages in place. Like we, we, we go pretty, pretty hardcore at the safety briefing, um, you know. And if, if you don't, if you're not going to play by, you know, that, that safety aspect, that, that we expect the players to sort of uphold it when you're on the field, then you're off the field, plain and simple. Because it's, you know, you're not just, you're, you're, you're potentially long-term damaging the event, um, you're damaging your own personal experience, and you're also wrecking it for other players. So we um, we have to be super, super brutal with it. Um, you know, this is the line, we don't cross that line. Yeah, you want everybody to go home with all their, uh, their hands and feet, you know what I mean? And, and then, like, what's the learning curve for players going to that event? Like, do they have to learn said hand signals? Are they required to be on radio frequencies? <laughs> yeah. You know, is it like, is it just a safety brief? Is there a, as Milson West calls it, attack, a, you know, attack op? Uh, yeah, so we've got... Um, even th even things they have to pack? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've got, we've got infield commands that if, that if you hear that over the radio, then that's a, you know, a total game stop. You know, you do not move from the point that you're on until the marshals can sort of figure out what's gone wrong and, and the, the best plan of action to sort that out. Um, you know, worst case scenario, we just evacuate the field. Um, we we put things in place with um, with the likes of fire, police, and ambulance, so they're all aware that the event is on. They know the dates. Everything's logged with them. Um, so you know, if they got we like we classic example is we had a guy had a heart. Not at Armoured Fury, another event, he had a heart issue um, and we had to get an ambulance out on the field to, to sort him out. So it's, you know, putting all those things in place to make sure that, like you say, everybody goes home with their fingers, everybody goes home with their toes. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like from a player perspective, a lot of them already know certain sort of radio etiquette and that sort of stuff from their clubs. All the clubs use comms. Um, so it's we've kind of got a a bit of a sort of a blanket thing across the country um, that you know there's certain calls that happen on field that people know um, and then we just go into a bit of more specific stuff with armored fury the likes of vehicle movements and you know aircraft and pyrotechnic 
Yeah, like there's there's uh, real world real world ceasefire. Other games they'll you have to yell uh, corpsman. Um, what do you have to yell? Corpsman. 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 Corman. He says corpsman. Corman. It's Corman. <laughs> <laughs> corpse man, like a corpse. Corpsman. It's nope. a man that is a corpse. Nope. We should make a shirt that says corpse man. Is it the United States Marine Corps? And it's like a corpse. I hate you. <laughs> Yeah, 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 sure. yeah. We we it's heavily restricted here. Like we can't get the genuine product. We just have people three D printing it, basically. <laughs> so nice. We had, we had the jelly in your eyes. <laughs> at the start of the civil war <laughs> get eviscerated and then uh <laughs> But it was it was a cop. It was so, a particular cop that wears uh, that wears fingerless gloves. It was the worst cop. 
Like action star. Action star. <laughs> yeah. And so, so. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? Stop, like, stop reaching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was awful. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody got shot. Nobody got shot. Nobody yeah, got, that's yeah. good. <laughs> Taggins are loud. Taggins. I can only imagine what it's. And like and and for for their reference, like how far are counties from one another in oh. New York? Like, yeah, we do, we do football fields. You guys are metric. Although, yeah. that was the best Benghazi we did at the field. Sounds Up amazing. Until that point. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Was, yeah. We were, like, still on the field, and Dave and Mario were off the field talking to the to the cop, and, like, we're all just, we're all up there quiet. And we're just, like, like. It was, it was, it was 300 people. There. We were thinking, like, what happens if they don't come back? Like, what if what if they don't come back on the field? Like, what's going <laughs> to happen? So, we had, we had 300 people there. <laughs> yeah, it was like six hours away. Yeah, we did yeah. six hours away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy.
I mean, I feel like we talked. I mean, don't you want them to plug things and, and say? Well, I'm getting to that. Do you want them to give dad advice or anything? Thanks, host. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, There's a lot of people in the United States without strong male figures in their life or just their dads are not around in general. It's like a it's like an American pandemic. Oh man. That's that's a that's a broad one cuz Well, <clears throat> what 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 I'd say is like um, like all clubs in New Zealand are, are different and they have like different age limits. Um, you know, they some, some are like you have to be 18 and over. But like with our club, we have like quite a young um, uh, age limit for, for players. And like the cool thing that we find with our club, which I think like, like avoids a lot of like these boisterous older dudes you know we start getting you know the real elitist types and things like that it's like we're real family orientated so like we love it like when like you know parents will bring their kids out and they'll you know go play airsoft together and things like that so like we've been real fortunate to just create a super like cool environment it's like everyone's super friendly and um and inclusive and we get you know whole families you know dads and sons and it and all of the above because we've said like they are the future of airsoft um and if we can introduce them to airsoft like in the right way you know and give them a good experience then like you know they're going to take that and they're going to think well like you guys are like awesome like of course i want to be a part of this club or this sport whatever it might be so uh, like that's a big big thing for tar like we we're, we're a wholesome family and uh we've we've kept that pretty tight and yeah we we love the the young kids coming to the to the club so that our our dad advice and this and and some other clubs in new zealand will you know hate hate us saying it but um because i'd rather get away from the kids but like dude the proof's in the pudding like you know like we have a good time and we have young players like you know, so the dad advice would be like, start them young, start them young, <laughs> get them out there, get yep. them, get them having fun. Kids just want to have fun. <laughs> yeah. Start them young, um, show up to briefings on time. Um, yeah. Call your hits and have fun. Don't, Simple. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. I'm gonna That's actually one of our club rules. It's in I'm our, a- in our, it's in our club constitution. Don't be a dick. I'm going to tell my son that before he goes to sleep tonight. I'm going to tell him, call yeah. your hits. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Good night. <laughs> he's <Yeah>. he's seven. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's universal, right? Yeah. Like you say, don't be a dick. Like, don't be a dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, so you can find um, our club website on airsoftrangers.nz. Uh, that's like for anyone wanting to know more about airsoft and our club, that's the, the best way to go. And yeah, just um, uh, Operation Armoured Fury across Facebook and Instagram is a way to like see what we're doing with the with uh, the event and what's coming up. And we do all our releases on that. So yeah, that's that's the best way to find us.